You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's good, everybody? This is episode 11 of The Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, and with me, as always, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. How you doing, Ed? I'm good, Stats. I'm good. You know, not not much going on in, in, in Giants land these days. Just, just, you know, coaches getting fired and, you know, and, and all that kind of good stuff. So not much happening today. Yeah, there was a period of a few hours on Wednesday where I legitimately was wondering if the Giants head coach had been in a fist fight with his former offensive line coach, who, oh, by the way, is like 6'8 and 300 pounds. Yeah, not not a guy I'd pick a fight with. Mark Colombo is, uh, is, is an intense guy, n- not a guy I'd want to be in a back alley with when he was mad. <laughs> kind of like you. Ah, I don't know about that. Maybe maybe when I was a little bit younger. <laughs> so if this is your first look ahead, let me explain how it works. We use the SB Nation Reacts polls to decide which games we're going to talk about. Basically, you sign up, you become a member, you pick the games you're most excited about. And those are the games that we talk about on this show. You can go to SBNation.com slash Reacts or on Twitter at SBN Reacts to check that out and become part of the community here at SB Nation. And we always start every show, Ed, with the Thursday night game. And this is the maybe one of the biggest Thursday night football games I can remember in a long time. You've got the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. They're both 6-3. and three. Everybody and the Rams, seemingly, everybody except the 49ers is in, in a position in the NFC West to take control of the division. It's Kyler. It's Russell Wilson. This is going to be awesome. And so we thought we should go to one of our communities. We're going to Revenge of the Birds in the Arizona Cardinals community, and we welcome in Johnny Venerable. Johnny, thanks for being with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to talk uh, ball with you guys. And yeah, b- biggest uh, Thursday night matchup for this team probably in half decade since that 2015 team that made it to the NFC title game. Uh, it is uh, an opportunity I wrote on the website this week for for a potential of a passing of the baton, a changing of the guard in the NFC West with Russell Wilson, the Seattle Seahawks struggling. Uh, the Cardinals have already beaten them once this year, and, and Kyler Murray ascending to what has now become you know NFL superstardom. And there's a ton I want to get to. I don't mean to pump the brakes on everything, but I have to ask you. Yeah. When DeAndre Hopkins catches that ball, what is the celebration in the venerable household? Well, I, I, I have a, f- a five-year-old son. He was napping. My daughter, uh, who's 15 months, was already awake from me screaming after Drake Kirkpatrick's interception that I thought sealed the game. That did not. Um, and then when the, the Hopkins uh, play happened, I woke up my five-year-old son. So it was a double whammy for my wife, 
who then has to watch uh, both kids while she has to get well while she's getting dinner ready. Um, and then for, for those of you who don't know, I do a, a live Periscope show following every Cardinal game. Uh, and I had my talking points ready that those were all scrapped. Um, so I just left my wife high and dry with both kids who I had, I had awoken over the past 20 minutes with my hooting and hollering. But uh, it's definitely worth it. I, I, I paid the price later that night, but definitely worth it. I was going to say, you slept on the couch that night, didn't you? <laughs> well, I I, def- I think I definitely picked up the kitchen. Um, and then she had the hair appointment this week that went over four hours. So that was my punishment. Oh, four hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, That's my Lord. <laughs> that was my pie. She, I said, when are you coming home? She left at 3.30 and she says later. So, <laughs> Jeez. That, you know what? That's the business we've chosen. That's right. Like say. That's right. Um, okay. So turning the attention to this game, I can't believe I'm saying this considering where we started at the beginning of the year. But Kyler Murray right now is clearly playing better than Russell Wilson. When Murray got all the offseason MVP attention, I said, I'm not buying it, not because of Kyler, but because of this organization, but because of this roster. And I've been proven wrong to, to some extent. Yes, currently right now, he's on pace for almost 50 touchdowns, 30 plus passing and 18 rushing. I did not expect that. But what I thought was he'd have a good season, Pro Bowl level season. I did not expect it to happen this quickly. Kyler has surpassed even my my wildest expectations. Um his ability to run the football just they've they've elevated it from last year and he's on pace for the first 4000 yard 1000 yard passing and, and rushing season in NFL history. I mean he's just he's just an absolute stat monster and even with the the fast start that that Wilson got on to begin this year, he's tempered off and, and clearly, you know, as a as an outsider looking in, he's pressing, trying to overcome too much, but you know, we joke and in the desert, Kyler's been doing that all year. He's really been doing that since he he took over this franchise, you know, in week one of 2019. Every week he has to come out with the mindset that he has to score a touchdown on every possession for the Cardinals to be able to not only win, but be competitive. Um, and I, we all love the Hopkins edition. That was highway robbery. But for the most part, this is a receiving core that was that was here last year. And yet here they are with the number one scoring off, or excuse me, the number one statistical offense in the NFL and the, I think the second best rushing offense it's, and I would say it's 90% Kyler Murray and maybe 10% Cliff Kingsbury. I need to back all the way up here for a second, all the way back to when the Cardinals decided to go down this road, Cliff Kingsbury, a basically failed college head coach who is really still nothing more than a glorified offensive coordinator. And Kyler Murray, who is, you know, as as athletic as he is, he's still the smallest NFL quarterback in decades. When the Cardinals decided to go down this road, did you think they were crazy? Because I know I did. Yeah, I, I greatly disliked the move to the point where I, I said that if the Cardinals took Kyler Murray, I would delete my Twitter account. Um, and I didn't. And that has not gone well for me. I, I switched my handle but uh, it was early February, and Steve Keim, the general manager, was at the Combine, and that was when a lot of that hype started to take place. For, for what it's worth, I, I liked the Kingsbury move because I was so disappointed with uh, the one year that Steve Wilkes had through you know, poor decision-making by Steve Keim from the personnel standpoint. And just Steve Wilkes is a, is a great human being, a great man, probably wasn't ready to be a head coach, and the organization didn't set him up for success. So that was disappointing, but they moved off of him, and I knew that they were going to go with an offensive coach. 
And lo and behold, the, the two guys that were in the running were Adam Gase and Cliff Kingsbury. And I, <laughs> I didn't mind Gase because I said, you know, he took Miami to the postseason and, you know, they've had kind of middling quarterback play. Let's see what he can do with Josh Rosen. And goodness, if, if I would have had my way, they would have had Josh Rosen, Adam Gase and Nick Bosa. Um, and that would not have worked out well. Uh, they ended up going with, with Kingsbury. I liked that decision. I, I said, that's out of the box. That's kind of forward thinking, potentially in the NFL. Uh, Kingsbury had offers to be an offensive coordinator uh, in the NFL. He was somebody, let's, let's put it to you this way. He's somebody the Cardinals, had he had a good uh, season as an OC, either at USC or somewhere else, would not have considered the Arizona Cardinals as a franchise. He would have been courted by the Blue Blood franchises in the NFL. I, I firmly believe that. So the Cardinals were attempting to hedge their bet with Cl Cliff Kingsbury a year early. I also think that they brought him on board in part because they wanted to talk themselves into Kyler Murray, and, and they probably wouldn't have ha had that opportunity with any other coach. Any other coach that would have been brought on board, Gase or otherwise, would have been inheriting Josh Rosen, and it would have been unthinkable to, to take another quarterback in the top 10 um, after that. Uh, it, it had never happened in NFL history. That's why I was so adamant that it, that it wouldn't happen. But as we got further and further into the offseason and you heard the likes of Chris Mortensen and Adam Schefter and all these insiders say it's going to be Kyler Murray, once I accepted that and the rest of the Cardinal fan base accepted that, we were good to go. And, and lo and behold, Murray is very competitive year one. He's way better than I thought. I would have been completely wrong. Uh, I, I remember watching the draft with my buddies and my and my father that night and how dejected my father was that we didn't take Nick Bosa. And the Niners were gifted Nick Bosa. And I, I would say now, and he's probably going to listen to this, um, roughly 18 months later, uh, they, they definitely made the right decision there. One more question for me, and then I want you to pick the game. Um, I have been crushing Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> Not the only one. He is super, super conservative. The first game against the Seahawks, he kicks a, he attempts a field goal on second down because he's so terrified about losing yards and getting out of field goal range that he panics, kicks a field goal that they miss, and they go, you know, almost cost them the game. And Kyler Murray says to him, don't ever get conservative again. Like, I got you. I'll take care of you. Yeah, And then we get to the Miami game. It's fourth <laughs> and one from the Miami 31-yard line. And what does he do? He trots out the field goal kicker again for a 49-yard kick, which, by the way, only would have tied the game with two minutes left anyway. It's not mm -hmm. even like it would have given them the lead. And he tries to kick again, and they miss the kick. Like, what is going on with Cliff Kingsbury? Why is he so conservative? I, I can't argue your points at all. I've been critical of Cliff um, in recent weeks. You can't take the ball out of Kyler's hands in those scenarios. So he needs to get better. His in-game coaching is not where it needs to be. He's not on the level of uh, a Pete Carroll or Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay. But here's what I will say in defense of him. This is supposed to be year two of a rebuild, and the personnel still on this team is not great. And yet, you know, here's Cliff Kingsbury, a guy who couldn't win more than seven games in the Big 12 in route to win double digits in his second year in the NFL with a quarterback that's 5'9". Um, I, I do think majority of the success ties back to Kyler, and that's good news for this team. But I also think that we need to give Cliff Kingsbury uh, a chance to grow into being an NFL coach the same way we gave somebody like Kyle Shanahan um, ample time to consistently pick in the top 10 before uh, Jimmy Garoppolo completed a 16-game you know, season a year ago. All right, Johnny. So uh, Thursday night, pick the game for us. It's difficult because I do think the Cardinals are playing with house money. They've got all the momentum. 
They've already beaten Seattle this year. There's no 12th man to speak of. Kyler Murray is is playing with all the confidence in the world, and, and Russell Wilson is is turning the ball over at a high le- high number. Um, I will say just for, just for the sake of of playing in my audience that the Cardinals do win this game. I, I think that they are so explosive offensively, and Seattle is so Seattle statistically, I believe, has the worst defense in the NFL. They're going to be missing both starting corners in Shaquille Griffin, Quinton Dunbar. Neither one of them are playing right now with with Hopkins doing what he's doing, knowing the world's watching national stage with which Kyler thrives in. I think it's a, it's a high scoring affair. I just think Kyler Murray right now, I'm not going to say he can't be stopped, but I think they, they put up 35 points, 38 points, something in the vicinity of let's say 38 to 35 Arizona Cardinals. I don't know about you stats, but I'm, uh, I'm going to go with the Cardinals as well. I think uh, I I think the the Seattle defense is just so bad, and and I think that you're watching Seattle, you know, week after week. It's it's been the Russell Wilson show, and 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 as terrific as he is, he he can't carry that team without help. Yeah, I agree. I've been pounding the Seahawks defense all year. They are terrible. Anybody competent puts up great numbers against them. Kyler is killing it right now. I think the Seahawks could easily drop 40 on them. I will go with Kyler Murray. I will take the three points also. Thank you very much. So I will go Cardinals over Seahawks. Johnny Venerable from Revenge of the Birds, thank you very much for the time today. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Hope to be back. Next up, Ed, is a game that I'm fascinated by. Before Wednesday's news, I was intrigued by it. And then on Wednesday, we come to find out the Raiders basically have to add their entire defense to the COVID-19 list. They added seven players on Wednesday. They have a total of 11 players on the reserve COVID-19 list right now. It is an unprecedented situation. Safety Jonathan Abram, defensive tackle Malik Collins, Jonathan Hankins, Kendall Vickers, Arden Key, Isaiah Johnson, all on the COVID-19 list. Now, some of these guys will be able to come back on Sunday morning, but they're not going to be able to practice. It is an unprecedented situation what is happening with the Raiders right now. What in the world is going on with the Raiders? I mean, they have been, John Gruden's been fined. They've been fined four different times, I think, this year already for COVID you know, protocol violations. They've lost a draft pick already. And now this, I mean, are they the poster child for an NFL team that is not taking COVID seriously or what? Yeah. I mean, how could you say otherwise at this point, right? You laid it out pretty clearly and I don't know what the deal is there, but that's not a good look for that organization. And you know, when your whole starting defense has to go on the freaking COVID list, like you're obviously doing something wrong. You, you have to find a way to rein it in. I mean, and it's not like the Raiders are a bad team. You're six and three right now. You know, you've, you've looked better than you've looked in, in years, really. And you can't have this sort of thing derail your season, especially when it's happened again and again and again. John Gruden's done a good job with this team on the field. Like you said, they're 6-3. and three. They've won some games. You know, we talked about them early in the year. That, that defense is really young, and it's not that good. But they're still finding, you know, they're finding ways to win games. And, you know, you're at a point right now with this team where, you know, if they don't get this whole this whole COVID thing under control in their own building, they're going to blow up their season from inside. It's crazy because they're still there. Like 
they're still a factor in the AFC West. I mean, if they win this game, they would be seven and three and the Chiefs would be eight and two and the Raiders would have the tiebreaker because they would have swept the season series with the Chiefs. So everything, they have all the incentive in the world to get their ducks in a row and get their heads on straight and figure out how to, you know, orchestrate an NFL season under these COVID rules because they're in great position in the AFC. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested in this game also from a Chiefs perspective as well. I mean, Chiefs are eight and one. You know, the Raiders are the only team they've lost to this this year. And you know, the the, the Chiefs, although they're eight and one, you know, some of their games have been closer maybe than we would have anticipated some of them being. But the Chiefs are coming off a bye. They've had two weeks now to look forward to the Raiders and to getting a chance to put the only team that beat them back in their place. So I I think we make we may see the Chiefs come out with their with their A effort this weekend. Oh, I totally agree with you. Andy Reid is 24 and 5 coming off the bye week in his career if you include the playoffs. 8 and 3 coming off a bye with Kansas City. Like Andy with an extra re- week to prepare is very very tough to beat. Um if I'm the Raiders, you have to stay aggressive. The reason the Raiders were able to win the first game is because they made chunk plays, big plays down the field. They had a 59-yard touchdown pass. They had a 72-yard touchdown pass. It was like the complete opposite of Derek Carr that we've seen in his career. He was going down the field, being aggressive. That, to me, is how the Raiders have to play it again this week. Because you know, like you said, the Chiefs are coming out firing, and the only chance Vegas has to me is to try and get in a shootout and win it that way. Oh, I I would agree, but uh, you know, I'm still going with I'm going with the Chiefs in this one, no doubt in my mind. I mean, when you see all those guys going on the COVID list for the Raiders, it's kind of hard not to pick Kansas City. The Raiders are getting seven and a half points. Does that change your mind at all? You know, it would. I I would take the Raiders with the points under normal circumstances, but with everything that's going on with them, you know, with, with the COVID situation, I just wonder how well, you know, how well prepared they're actually going to be on Sunday and how many other guys they're actually going to have. Yeah, it's going to be wild. By the way, if you're so inclined, the over-under for this game is 56 and a half. The whole Raider defense is not going to be practicing because of the COVID-19 list. And earlier in the year, when they played, these two teams combined for 72 points. So I don't know about you, Ed, but I will be mashing the over in this game. Sounds like a good bet to me. Now it's time, Ed, to go from Vegas. We are getting on a plane. We are going to the great state of Indiana because it's Packers and Colts. Green Bay 7-2. and two. Indy is 6-3. and three. The Colts are coming off a solid win over Tennessee where they looked really, really strong. And the Packers, and I can't believe I'm saying this sentence out loud, struggled to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. Yeah, I don't know what's up with I don't know what's up with that. You know, I didn't see I didn't see that coming with Green Bay struggling against uh, against Jacksonville. You know, especially uh, you know I I I don't really want to talk about what what happened the week before that. I know that would just upset you, and and I'm not sure I want to do that. 
Yeah, thanks. Thank you. When the 49ers had nobody because of the COVID list and they still played the game when they easily could have moved it. Yep, yep. I'm aware of what happened. Uh, see, I didn't want to upset you, but I think I've gone and done that now. You are such a shitster, Ed. Uh, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> so, this is my view on this game from the Packers' perspective since we're talking about it. If you want to be the big boy in the NFC, now is the time to assert yourselves, right? The Saints are hobbled because Drew Brees is out, which we're going to get to a little bit later. The Seahawks are sort of wobbling because Russell Wilson keeps turning the ball over and that defense is garbage. If Green Bay wants to be the team in the NFC, the one team that gets the bye, this is a game you have to win. Do you think that this is the week that Green Bay sort of asserts itself in the National Football Conference? Well, you would think you would think that that uh, you would be right that they would have to that this would be the time for them to do it, but I don't know about this Packers team. I just uh, there's always something about Green Bay, and it's always been this this way for, with you know, for me. It's been this way for years. It's like somehow or another, the Packers always leave me wanting more or, or expecting more. Than, than what they actually provide and and for me to to feel differently I need to actually see them do it the Packers are the underdog in this game they are getting two points but I don't feel that comfortable with Indianapolis either I mean they did win over Tennessee last week but look, it's kind of like you're feeling with the Packers when I look at this Colts team they're six and three the only losses they have week one to Jacksonville, which I kind of give them a pass because it was such a crazy offseason. They lost to the Browns, who are good, and they lost to the Ravens, who are good. But for some reason, when I look at them, I just don't get this feeling of confidence that they are a high ceiling team that's really going to make some noise. And it's not really fair to the Colts, but I just can't help that that's how I feel when I look at them. No, I get that too. And, and, and I think maybe part of that is because of Philip Rivers, who is, you know, to his credit, playing much better than I think people thought he would play. But he's still, you know, he he's still, you know, long in the tooth, and and you still wonder just exactly what you're going to get, you know, week to week from from Indianapolis on, on offense. But I look at this game, and I just look at that Indianapolis defense. I think they're I think they're ranked fourth in the league and and for me it's it's that defense I think that that is probably the the difference making group in, in this game and and the reason why I'm going to pick uh, I'm going to pick the Colts to win this one. I'm trying not to be overly influenced by that game by the Packers struggling against the Jaguars. Um I just feel like if I have to pick somebody I'll take Aaron Rodgers over Philip Rivers. The, the Colts defense is good, but I don't have any confidence in the Colts offense to do enough in this one. So I'm going to take Green Bay. I will take the points. You know me. I love to I love points. So I will take the two points happily. And, you know, let's see if things are different this year for Green Bay. Let's see if they can sort of take control of the conference and get a win over Indianapolis. That would be, you know, a nice leg up on the Saints who are clearly trending in the opposite direction right now because of what's happening at the quarterback spot, which we are going to get to. We're going to take a break. We have two more games left to go. We're going to do Titans, Ravens, and then our dealer's choice, which Ed has locked in already, Falcons and Saints. So we'll do that after the break. 
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We're back here on The Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. Two more games for us to preview, Ed, and we're going to go to Baltimore. It's Titans, Ravens. Both of these teams are 6-3. and three. If you had told me this game was a month ago, I would have been super pumped. Now I look at both of these teams and I think, what's going on? Tennessee got smoked by the Colts, and the Ravens were absolutely handled by a very shorthanded Patriot team both of these teams coming off bad losses. Yeah, I know it. I mean, weeks ago we were talking about Tennessee and we were, you know, we were looking at that team and and thinking that, you know, that they they looked like a juggernaut and now all of a sudden they've lost 3 out of 4 and and they don't look anything like that same team. And you know, and and the Ravens I think we're finding out Lamar Jackson is is a wonderful athlete. He's a wonderful player. But there's there are limitations to the way that the Ravens play football. If you can get in front of the Ravens, if you can get ahead, you know, they, they average less than 200 yards passing per game, which puts them, you know, in the last in the lower three or four teams in the league. I, I have it in my notes here somewhere. I think they're. They're actually 31st in the league in passing yards per game. So if you put that, if you can get ahead of the Ravens, take them out of the game that they want to play, it's very, very difficult for them. 
And, you know, so we're, we're looking at both of these teams that are good teams, but teams that, that we're finding, you know, have more flaws maybe than we thought early in the season. So this is still an interesting game for me. Yeah, I agree that both of these teams like to win a certain way. For, for the Ravens, clearly it's running the ball with Lamar and then working off of play action. And for Tennessee, it's Derrick Henry. Like this team was built around Derrick Henry. And I look and I see that his workload is not that of the workhorse back. Early in the season, he started the game 31 carries, 25 carries, 26 carries. The last three weeks, he's gone over 20 carries one time. And I know they say that's by design. But look, you're not going anywhere this year if you're Tennessee if you don't give Derrick Henry the ball. He lets you control the clock. He lets you move the chains. He gives your defense a chance to rest, which the Titans' defense is not that good anyway. So the more you can keep them off the field, it's probably better for Tennessee. But for some reason, they seem to be going away from what works, and I don't understand why. But again, you know, I wonder, and I'd have to go back and look at at how each of their their games recently had played out but when you're a run heavy team you know you're Derrick Henry centric team as games unfold if you get into you know higher scoring games or if you get into second halves of games and you're behind that that takes away that sort of grind it out you know give the ball to the running back you know, control the clock kind of game. Again, it's a team that wants to play from in front, and and, and that that makes it that makes it difficult. You know, when you get into the uh, into the fourth quarter, you need a couple of scores because you're you're out of the the element. You're out of the way that you actually want to play. But you know, the thing that I really think when it comes to Tennessee that that I sort of underestimated. I mean, first of all is the Taylor Lewan injury. And and second of all, you know, it, it's not Seattle Seahawks level bad, but this Tennessee defense is not good. You look at most statistical categories and they're near the bottom of the league in most statistical categories. They can't rush the passer. They give up a ton of passing yards. They're mediocre at best against the run. And and I just didn't realize early in the season it, it just you know it, just how how poor Tennessee was going to play on defense. You're absolutely right. And look, they need them to rise up because they're in the midst right now of a three-game stretch. Ravens, Colts, Browns, all three of those teams are six and three. Those are the teams they're going to be battling with to get into the playoffs in the AFC. And by the way, if the season ended today, which I know it doesn't, but if it did, the Tennessee Titans would be sitting next to me on the couch watching the playoffs. So they absolutely have to get it together in this one. The Ravens are favored by six and a half points, Ed. What do you like? Oh, this is a tough one for me. I think the Ravens win this game, but... That's a lot of points for me. So I would say I would take the Titans with the points, but 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 I take the Ravens to win the game. Once again, you are sitting on the fence squarely. <laughs> and normally I would continue to grind you into dust about that, but I'm going to sit right next to you on that fence because I think exactly the same thing. I think the Ravens are going to win the game, but six and a half points is a lot of points. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch. 
So I have to take the points in this one, even though I'm fairly confident, I feel like Baltimore is going to get it together. You know, some organizations are just run really well. I think the Ravens are one of the top organizations in all of football. I don't think they're going to continue to spar. I don't think they're going to continue to lose games like we saw with New England. So I'm going to take them to get back on track as well, even though I am taking Tennessee in the points. The last game we're going to look at, Ed, is the dealer's choice. And since you have selected the game, I will let you set it up. We're going to talk about Falcons at Saints, and we're not going to talk about that because of the uh, because of the the meaning of the game or the standings. I mean, the Falcons are three and six and going nowhere, and the Saints are seven and two and headed to the playoffs. But we're going to talk about this game simply because we've got to talk about Drew Brees. I mean, five broken ribs and a collapsed lung. I mean, are are you kidding me? What is up with that? That's a car accident injury. Like, that's what happens to you when you get into a car accident. And, you know, people keep saying, oh, you know, he'll be back in two to three weeks. Like, I, I said this on Tuesday on the off-day debrief, Ed. If you had five broken ribs and a collapsed lung, would you be back to work in two weeks? Uh, No. When is the last time that you've seen an NFL quarterback post a photo of himself on social media with a breathing apparatus <laughs> you know i mean it's not funny but but you know he's 41 years old and it it amazes me that he even played this past sunday because if i if if i have this right he suffered three broken ribs the week before against tampa bay that according to the information that I read, didn't show up on the x-ray because there was so much swelling that they couldn't see the fractures. And then two more broken ribs Sunday against the 49ers. When he has Contavious Street sack him, and Street did not even land on him. He he turned and twisted to land on his side to try to avoid a penalty, which he didn't do. But, I mean, thank God he landed on his side because we didn't know it at the time, but Drew Brees could have been even more seriously injured. He could have had a punctured lung, let alone a collapsed lung, and that could get really dangerous there when you're talking about broken ribs. And look at the Saints right now. They can't afford to drop games. They're trying to get the number one seed in the NFC. They're battling the Packers. They're battling Tampa Bay. And it's not Teddy Bridgewater this year. And say what you want about Bridgewater, and I have criticized him a lot. He does not turn the ball over. Well, they're most likely going with Jameis Winston now, Ed. And what do we know about Jameis Winston? If he does one thing, what is it? He is a turnover machine. Yes, and I know from experience, because I've seen it with the 49ers this year. It doesn't matter if you have the better team, if you have the better roster, if you have the better coach and the better game plan. If you turn the ball over, you can lose to anybody. And Jameis does that constantly. So I'm fascinated to see what kind of offense Sean Payton rolls out because in the second half against the Niners, he basically had Jameis Winston hand it off or he did a direct snap to Taysom Hill who ran the ball. I I don't know what offense they're going to run, but I think the Saints can lose any game Jameis Winston starts for them. We need to talk about Taysom Hill for a second here. I know that Taysom Hill is this insane weapon that the saints like to use and they like to line him up in the backfield and they like to line him up at tight end. And there have been times when they've used him to return kicks and they do all this stuff with Taysom Hill. 
But here's Sean Payton a year ago saying, well, I think Taysom Hill can be Steve Young. Well, I looked up the I looked up the, the numbers today. Taysom Hill is 30 years old. He's not a young kid. If Taysom Hill can play quarterback, put him out there and prove it. In four or five years in the NFL, you know how many passes Taysom Hill has thrown? Nine. 18 passes he's thrown in, in, I think, four seasons. If the guy can play quarterback, put him out there Sunday and prove that he can play quarterback. If you're running Jameis Winston out there, you're, you're telling the world that all this talk about him being Steve Young someday is just a bunch of nonsense. Have you been listening to the Niners Nation podcast? Because I have been crushing Taysom Hill and all those that say he's the next Steve Young for two years, Ed. You're you're in my wheelhouse now. It is just say this out loud. Who would you rather start? Jameis Winston or Steve Young? Uh 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 I I think I might take Steve Young even today at, at yes. whatever age Steve Young is now. <laughs> Absolutely. Like it is insane to me that Sean Payton said that, that he could be the next Steve Young, and that some people have have run with this idea that Taysom Hill is this secret weapon when time after time, when Sean Payton has an opportunity to show us that he is and put Taysom Hill in as the quarterback, he doesn't do it. He put in Teddy Bridgewater, whose leg basically almost snapped off ahead of him, and now he's probably going to put James Winston ahead of him. Like, enough. At some point, your actions overtake your words and clearly Sean Payton's actions have shown us he doesn't buy Taysom Hill as a legitimate starting quarterback yeah absolutely if he does then Taysom Hill has to play on Sunday and he has to play the majority of the time while Drew Brees is out and I just don't think that's what's going to happen so you know so I think we're going to see we're going to see Jameis Winston with the Saints and uh and we all know that that you know Jameis Winston is a uh, is, is a high wire act. Well, he is giving five points right now. The Saints are favored by five. I'm actually taking the Falcons, and I feel pretty good about it because I think that Jameis is going to throw the ball to the other team. <laughs> you're you're killing me here. You're killing me because I I am taking the Falcons as well, and I thought sure we were going to disagree on this game. But I think that this Falcons team is better than people realize that it is. They were 0-5 when they fired Dan Quinn. They've won three out of four games with Raheem Morris as their interim head coach. They are a better football team than people think. I don't know what was going on there with Dan Quinn. But but to me, you know, this... I mean, this sets up for me as a the wheels could come off for the Saints kind of game. I think so, too. And I think that it's, you know, there's going to be a little bit of panic that starts to set in in New Orleans when they see Jameis out there and things aren't going good. And then you know what's good it's going to be. If Jameis struggles, then there's going to be the calls for Taysom Hill to be the starting quarterback. All of a sudden now the Saints have a quarterback controversy when two weeks ago they were sitting pretty in the NFC. So things could look very different for the Saints a month from now, depending on how long it takes Drew Brees to get back. Yeah, they could. And, and you know, he's 41 years old and, and you know, things just don't, you know, broken ribs are, are nothing to uh, n- nothing to mess around with. Broken ribs take 
a good long while to heal to begin with. And things don't heal as quickly, you know, when when you get older as they do when you're when you're 25. So it's going to be a few weeks before we see Breeze. So if you are keeping track of our picks at home, which I'm sure that you are, because why wouldn't you? <laughs> we agree on the Cardinals plus three over Seattle, Kansas City minus seven and a half over the Raiders, Tennessee getting six and a half points against Baltimore, even though we both think the Ravens are going to win that game. And we're taking Atlanta plus five against the Saints. The only game we disagree on is Packers-Colts. Ed, you're taking the Colts and giving two. I will take the Green Bay Packers, and I will take the two points. That's going to do it for this edition of The Look Ahead. Again, if you want to be a part of the show, we encourage you to go to SBNation.com slash reacts. Sign up, and you can get to vote on the games that we talk about every week. That's how we run this show. So please be a part of that family, or you can check it out on Twitter at SBNReacts. Ed, is there any final thoughts you'd like to leave the fans with this week? Like you said uh, earlier in the show, Stats, I am really looking forward to this uh, to this Thursday night game. Was a great uh, great matchup the first time around between Saint between uh, Seahawks and, and Cardinals, and uh, should be a fun one tonight. Yes, I can't wait to look at the two quarterbacks that'll be tormenting the 49ers in the NFC West for the next, I don't know, five to seven years. Why is it always about the 49ers for you? Are there any other teams in the league? I don't even, I mean, come on. (laughs) That's my squad. I got to rep them. Enjoy the game, everybody. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, mom. (laughs) No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.